So, last week we kicked off a new series called Look Up. And uh, we just talked about a really simple idea that I think a lot of us kind of maybe know in the back of our head or have heard if we've been around church at any point. But it's just this idea that we need to sometimes change our perspective. And so hopefully last week we started to try to do that, to change our perspective from looking down when we're in moments of defeat or, or tough times or times when we're, we, we feel down, we look down. And instead of doing that, our go-to reaction maybe can start to be to look up for help. And we got that from this verse uh, in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So when we need help, we look up to God to help us. That was the whole point of last week, and that's setting up the whole idea of this series, is we're not going to just keep looking down at our problem, at our issue, at our uh, pain, at our anger, at our sadness, whatever the thing is, we're going to look up. We're going to get our perspective off of the negative, off of the actual issue, and look at where our help's going to come from, and it's going to actually come from God. So if we've done that, if we've shifted our focus, then it's like, okay, well, what now? If we're looking up now, what are we looking for? We're looking for help, but I mean, that could be anything, right? And we said we're looking to God for our help. And what's interesting about that name is God pops up in every big major world religion. Have y'all noticed that? If you study Islam, you will hear the name God. If you study Judaism you will hear the name God. When you study Buddhism, you'll hear the name God. God pops up in all of those major religions and it's a name to describe really a higher power. And so then the question becomes, well, isn't, would that, does that mean then that all of these religions are the same, really, ultimately, because we're all just talking about God just in maybe different ways, but it's really all about God. And the answer to that is, is they're not. They're not the same. But yet we use the same name for God in all of them. We say God. So to say God to people is generally a very easy thing to say. Because a lot of people would acknowledge, yes, God exists. There's a higher power. There's something bigger than us. There's, there's something out there. And, and the name we've kind of given that is God. Now, that is God's name. God is used in the Bible. We're still going to call God, God. But just to say God is just to speak of this higher power. But we want to give it, we want to speak of something and talk about something and look to something a little bit more specific. So what is it that we're looking for? Well, we need to actually catch our eye and get our attention and our focus on something that God is sending. So we're not just looking for God, but we're looking for what God's sending as help. And so we need something specific to look for. And if we need something to really catch our eye and to to grab our attention, I think we find our answer in 1 John. So, or not 1 John, John chapter 1. 1 John is a different book of the Bible. John chapter 1 is what we're talking about. The very beginning of the chapter, right? So let me read this to you, okay? It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. So if we're looking up, our attention's off of our problem, it's off of us, it's off of the stress or the, the, the thing that's causing us this tough time. We're looking up for help, we're looking for that thing to get our attention. The thing to get our attention is this light. It's the thing we're looking for. Have you noticed, like, at night when there's a bright light on, what's typically all around the light? Bugs everywhere, right? Moths, gnats, flies, mosquitoes. Like, the bugs just go to the light. Because in, in the mass amount of darkness, when you go out at night, you're drawn to the light. And so when we look up and we're looking out in this world, which is very dark... It's very depressing. It's very broken. And when you look out in that, all you see ultimately is darkness. And so the thing that's going to draw your attention is this light that we hear about in John chapter 1. And so if this light is shining in the darkness, in the darkness of what we're seeing in the world... What is this light? Well, if you skip down, because it wasn't specific about what the light is. It just says the word, the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh, lived among us. And it was a light shining in the darkness, right? So, what? okay, this is, this is all kind of broad in general. What are we talking about here specifically? And then there's a guy mentioned named John, but he's not actually the light. He was just a witness to testify about the light and help people see the light. So who is the light? What is the light? First John, you skip down, not first John, John 1. I did it again. John 1, chapter 1, verse 29. Skip down. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, John is saying this. He's supposed to testify about who the light is. He sees Jesus and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who do you think the light of the world is? Okay, two people feel confident about saying Jesus. Nice. Three. Okay, we're adding to it. There we go. Yeah. So John is saying that the light is Jesus. And then you go ahead and you skip over to John chapter 8. And Jesus even confirms it for you in case we weren't sure. John chapter 8 verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if we were fuzzy on it, we weren't quite sure, Jesus says it straight up, I'm the light of the world. So when you're looking up for help, when you're looking out into the darkness and you're looking for the ray of light, it's me. I'm the light. Okay, so it's like, okay, we've established that we're looking up in the darkness. We're looking for something that's actually going to help us. The light is the thing we need to get our attention on, our focus on. It's the thing that's going to lead the way to what we need to go to towards God's help. What? Okay, so, okay, so that's the what. That's Jesus. So who is this Jesus? Well, we talked about Jesus a ton in here. He's kind of a big topic of our conversation. He's mostly the point to everything we do here. As in he's every point 
that we have here is ultimately meant to go back to him. But some of us maybe have missed some of the things about who he is and why he's such a big deal. And when I say some of us, I mean, it's easy to forget some of these things that he's, he did with his life. We have four gospels in the Bible. It's the very first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Four books. They tell us all about Jesus's life. They give us words he actually spoke, things he actually did. And then the letters after that in the New Testament start to help us understand more of how Jesus' life was and what he meant by some of the things he said and what some of the things he did really meant. So if we're looking to this light in the darkness, this light in the darkness is Jesus, let's take a look at his life for a second. Now I compiled a list. Now this is not an exhaustive list. It's not everything about Jesus' life. We're, we're, this is just one teaching. I don't have time to talk about Jesus' life like totally in one teaching like this. But I did pick out some things that are really cool about who he is and why we know he is the actual light of the world that we're talking about. So in a world full of darkness, and when I say a world full of dar- darkness, I don't mean just the world is in everyone else. I mean all of us are dark. None of us have this light unto ourselves. That's just Jesus. We've already talked about in here how we aren't righteous by ourselves. We're not right. We're not just good by ourselves. And so the world, meaning all of us, mankind, creation, it's a dark, dark place. It's depressing, it's stressful, it's painful, it's sad. It's all those things. Now, there's moments of good in it, too. But Jesus helps us navigate through the darkness in this light so that we can see the good that God has made out in his creation in the world and in us. So here's the deal. I'm going to go through some things. I'm going to elaborate on some of them. Some of them I'm just going to kind of hit quick. But I want you to think about what these actually mean. This is one dude, okay? One guy's life. And these are some of the things he did. So Jesus... I'm going to say Jesus, then I'm going to say some things that he did. Then I'm going to say Jesus, some things he did. Jesus, some things he did. You got me? You ready? Are we ready for the list? Are you sure? Okay, good. All right, good. Because if, if, if it was a no, then we're just going to stand here and look awkward together. And I don't know what we'd do. We'd just sit for 15 minutes. But okay, here we go. So Jesus turned water into wine. Now, this isn't like Jesus had a cup and he had... His, uh, his pouch of high C or, or Kool-Aid and he dumped it into the, the glass and then he poured water into it. And then he's like, ha, I did it. No, this was like literally, he turned a huge basin jar, stone container of water that was just water into the best wine that you could drink. And he did this for this wedding. It was the very first miracle he ever did. And so he turned something that was one thing into something totally different just by doing it, just by thinking it. He, he did it. There was, no, there was no mix to pour into it. There was no Gatorade, big container you could just pour into it like there, there is now where you get a cooler of water and you dump the, the Gatorade thing in it. You mix it up and it's Gatorade now. It wasn't that. This was just, he's like, you know what? That's water. Let's make it wine. And it's wine. That's what happened. So Jesus also healed people 
with water in one case. He says, hey, go wash in this pool. And people are healed. And he told them to wash off this kind of mixture of mud and spit that he made. Now, just to test this, I would love if somebody went to an optometrist, which is an eye doctor, and you go and you say, hey, I'm having some problem with my eyes. Should I maybe spit in some mud and rub it in them? Will that help me out? Because that's what Jesus tells this guy. This guy has been blind, and Jesus spits in some, in some dirt, makes some mud in it, rubs it on his eyes, and he says, hey, go wash your face off in this pool. And the first thing I would do is be like, yeah, you just put spitty mud on my face. Like, spitty mud, I don't even know what that is. It's like nasty spit mud on my face. I can't see and you just rub stuff on my face, man. You would kind of think Jesus is a bully at that point, you know? And so, of course, I'm going to go wash my face off. He goes and washes in the, fa- the, the pool, his face off in the pool that Jesus told him to. And when he opens his eyes, he can see. Jesus heals sight with his spit and dirt. This is not a normal dude. If you spit in dirt and rub it on your friend's eyes, they're probably going to punch you. If you rub spit in some dirt and rub it on your teacher's eyes, you'll probably be expelled. If you rub your spit in some dirt and put it on your parents' eyes, just don't even do that, okay? Don't do that. You the police might get called, okay? So just don't do it. It's a bad idea. But Jesus can heal people's eyes with that kind of stuff. His spit is powerful. Jesus healed crippled people just with his words. He would just say, get up to somebody who hasn't been able to walk and they could do it. You know, I really wish Jesus would have been around like the way he was around in this time period when I was trying out for the basketball team. And he just said, Brad, thou shalt be good at basketball. And then I just started dunking on folks, you know? Like I just started going nuts, like back, roundhouse, through the leg. You know what I'm saying? Like I would have just gone bananas on people. Played, played in high school, college, NBA. That would have been sick. But... Nevertheless, he didn't do that. But he did tell some people that couldn't walk to get up, and they got up and could walk. He just spoke things into existence. Now, if you're crippled and you haven't been able to walk your whole life, do you think your legs are just like raring to go? Like you just stand up and you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) If you haven't been able to walk your whole life, your legs are jacked. You need to like work them out, ease them into the thing. But these people, when Jesus said get up and walk, were able to just get up and walk. What does that mean? That means he like restored their legs immediately. It wasn't like, you know what? You're going to be able to walk after six months of rehab. That's, that's not what happened. That's not what he did. He's like, you're going to be able to walk now. And it happened. Jesus could heal people who simply touched his clothes He's walking through a crowd. A lady touches the hem of his garment. She's had this condition and been sick for years and years and years. She touches the hem of his garment and she is healed. Jesus notices it. He's like, whoa, who touched touched my clothes? I felt it. I felt it happen. 
They got healed. They touched me. Who did that? She, she confesses. They have a moment. But just by touching his clothes, people could get healed. Some of you, if, they, if somebody touched your clothes, they would have to wash their hand five times because you haven't taken a bath in a week and your clothes are stanky. Like, there's no power in your clothes. Like, if I touched your clothes, I'm not going to be healed. I'm not going to be good at basketball. I'm not going to immediately be able to do something I've never done my whole life. Like, you don't have that ability, neither do I. You touch the, the hem of my shirt, and I'll just be like, hey, man, let go, let go of my shirt. <laughs> you won't be healed, I promise. But when people touched Jesus' clothes, they were healed. Jesus talked and ate, and this maybe seems not as big of a deal, especially after what we just talked about, but Jesus talked and ate with people that most judged and ignored. I know that doesn't sound like a huge deal, but then I want you to to rewind in your brain to the lunchroom where you had this really embarrassing moment, or maybe you have continual embarrassing moments at lunchroom where you had no idea where to sit, or people who used to sit with you no longer sit with you. Or where you just, maybe it wasn't in the lunchroom, maybe it was in a classroom, maybe it was with a group of your friends, where you felt like everyone thought you were a joke. No one wanted to hang out with you. No one wanted to talk to you anymore. You felt judged by everyone that you came in contact with. That, like, the way you felt in that moment helps you realize how big of a deal this is. Jesus would hang out and eat meals with people that most everyone else would shun and try to avoid because of what it looked like. Have you ever avoided people because of what it might look like if you talked to them? People might think we're friends. <gasps> oh my goodness, they'll think you're friends with someone? People might think I'm like them if I hang out with them. People might think I'm into the same stuff they're into if I hang out with them. People might think I like them. They might think we're dating. Man. People might think I'm interested. You know what I mean? Like, we avoid people all the time because we're worried about what other people think. Jesus did not do that. He hung out with people that everyone else would avoid. People who we would look at even today and be like, ooh, Jesus, that maybe is not a good move. <laughs> like, people might think if you hang out with her that, you know, you're not such a good rabbi. <laughs> you're not a very holy man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so don't hang out with her. He, he didn't care. Because here's the thing. Here's reality, right? And this is what's awesome about Jesus. We're going to keep going down the list. But Jesus would do things that were against what most people would think because just because people think that way doesn't always make it right. You know what I mean? Like just because people might think he's not a good man because he hangs out with these people who aren't good, does that make him not good? Not at all. It doesn't change who Jesus is at all and who he hangs out with. For you to talk to somebody at school that no one else talks to Does that really affect who you are at all? Not at all. You're still the same person. And so if you're like, well, people won't think I'm cool. Listen, 
If all we're concerned with is if we're cool or we're not cool, the answer is we're not cool. Because what's cool is to not care what other people think. Because you're confident in who you are and who God made you to be. And that's no diss on anybody. That's the struggle we all go through. Like adults still go through that. What are people going to think of me? We might not use the words cool anymore. And I don't know if y'all even use that word anymore. But the point is you don't care as much about what other people think. So anyway, Jesus didn't care. He hung out with, ate with people and, and would spend time with people that most people judged and shunned and tried to ignore. Jesus also put a man's ear back on the side of his head because that's where your ear is. Um, he put it back on without stitches or band-aids or staples or glue or anything. Dude picked the ear up off the ground, stuck it to his face. It's back to normal. It's good again. No spitment on that one, no. That was just straight up, pick the ear up, put it back on, and it was back to normal. Crazy stuff. What if a surgeon did that in the hospital today? Like, we're gonna, we're gonna, need, we're gonna need to take out your uh, appendix. And um, they just like touch your stomach and all of a sudden your appendix is in their hand. And like, well, we're done. <laughs> That'd be awesome. They can't do that, though, because they're not Jesus. But Jesus could have, because he could just apparently do surgical things with no surgical instruments. Um, All right. Jesus walked on water. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us have heard that before, right? He walked on water. And don't get cheeky with me, okay? It's not frozen water, okay? All of us can walk on frozen water. I'm talking like legit liquid water. He walked on that. But do you know how far he walked on it? Somebody said a mile? 80 feet? 10 miles? 5 miles? Okay, okay. Okay, it's getting to the point where I can't understand what everybody's saying, but I heard a lot of different things. I set them out. I heard feet. I heard miles. It was, it was about, the Bible says it was about 3 or 4 miles. So why do you say that, Brad? Well, it, it's because it's not like he just walked out a few feet and then got in the boat. It's not like he just walked out where it still stayed shallow and people just thought he was walking on the water and then he got over to the boat and then just kind of jumped in and they were like, oh, he was walking on water and he, the whole time he's kind of laughing. He's like, they don't realize it's really shallow right there. <laughs> he walked three miles out. It was not shallow. You could not just walk. And we got proof of that when Peter actually tried to get out and walk to Jesus and he did it for like a step or two and then he sinks. So obviously it's not shallow because Peter sinks. But he walked on water for three miles. None of us in here without some type of assistance from something else can do that. Jesus also brought, now this is, okay. This is, okay, we've talked about some really cool things, some, some superhuman, like unbelievable things. This is where we start to go to a hell, nothing, level. Okay, check this out. A whole nother level. A whole nother level. Okay, here it is. He brings a little girl back to life. Hold up, rewind. He brought a little girl back to life. Meaning, she was dead. And then he said, no, 
you're not. And she said, okay. And she's alive. Now, I'm going to be real honest. I don't care how good the surgeon is. I don't care how many medical degrees they have. No one on the planet can bring somebody back from the dead. It just can't happen. The only one who could possibly do that would be God. And Jesus does that for this girl. He shows up to this house. She's in her room, in her bed, dead. Uh, The dad had gone to get Jesus to heal her before she died. They're too late. They get to the house. He walks in. He tells her to get up. And then I love his response after that was everybody's like, like shocked, like mouths to the ground, right? And he's like, get her some food. She's hungry. (laughs) She was just dead. (laughs) Like, get her some bread, (laughs) something, some cocoa puffs. She needs some sustenance, all right? So he gets on to him about getting her some food. So it's like, okay, cool. That could be like some kind of hoax thing. Well, he does it again, okay? He brings one of his friends back to life. And this guy has been dead for like days. He shows up. His friend's sisters are there. And a bunch of people are there. They're all sad. They're upset. His, his buddy Lazarus has died. Uh, he says, take me to the tomb. Take me to where he is. They go to the tomb. He's in the tomb wrapped up in his like burial linen stuff. And he says, come out. He yells at Lazarus like he's in trouble. Get out. I don't know if it was like a mummy situation. If he's like, but he comes out of the tomb. He was alive. I don't know if he can't speak at that point because he's got like the stuff wrapped around his mouth. He's like, and everybody's freaking out like the mummy. I don't know. But a guy was dead for like three days. And now he's alive. Crazy. Crazy what Jesus can do. So we talked about food with a little girl. Jesus is big on food. Um, so he's hanging out with over 5,000 people, right? Um, they realize as he, Jesus is teaching, he gets a little long-winded. Everybody's starting to get a little hungry. They get a little hangry, you know? You don't want to make a bunch of people angry and hangry. It's bad. Uh, You start getting hungry. It's not a good thing. So he's like, hey, disciples, we need to feed these people. Um, And then they're all like, well, um, do you have enough food for them? I don't have any. I got like a cracker. Like, I don't have anything. And then this boy comes up with some fish and crackers. It's literally his only, it's for him. It's his lunch. And Jesus feeds 5,000 people with one person's food. Okay, now I don't know how food works in your house or at your lunch table, but what's enough for one person is not enough for a whole table, much less 5,000 people, okay? So anytime I've ever heard somebody say that's not really a miracle, I'm like, are you kidding me? I want you to take your PBJ sandwich and just make it last for the whole table, all right? We're talking like a little nibble that you would have to eat just for it to work for the whole table. It says in this story that Jesus fed all of them to where they were full, And then there was leftovers. So this is not like they all just did like a little, like a little mouse bite on this, on this food. They all ate what they wanted. And then there were still leftovers. Jesus just made that happen. 
Jesus also, just in general, he did a lot of teaching. And he would go to, to temples and he would teach, to um, hilltops and teach. He would, he would go all over the place and he would teach people who God is. And he would say things that weren't just what traditional rabbis would say. Like usually, you know how when you go to a church service, you can just kind of be like, oh yeah, yeah, got it. Well, no, that's not how this would work with Jesus. Jesus would show up and he would say stuff that like people are like, what? I've never heard this. Jesus would serve his disciples and even wash their feet, their dirty, nasty feet. They didn't have socks and shoes on. They just had sandals on. They would walk through donkey poo-poos. Their feet were stanky. He would wash them. And this is the, the like, son of God, right? The guy that's from heaven, he's washing dude's feet that have poop on them. This is nuts. So then, literally, if you look at his entire life, you will never find anything where he does anything wrong. Never. He never did anything wrong. Now, this is what's so crazy about Jesus. He has all these amazing powers, all these amazing abilities. He is different than anyone who has ever been And in all of that, he never once messed up and did anything wrong. And so when we're talking about this light that shines in the darkness, this life that Jesus lived was like no other life ever lived. And if if you were to see it, it's something to behold. And people back then even took notice of it, and it, it had people talking all over the place, and more and more people would follow him because of how he lived his life. And then... 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later, we're still looking at this life and this light that's shining in the darkness of the world. And this life is living opposite to how we live. It's living opposite to how the world lives. It's acting opposite to what we would even think. But yet, there he is. Jesus amongst the darkness, amongst our lives that seem hopeless. And he is continually shining. And so he's shining as an example of God's love and his desire to show us the way back to who he made us to be in the first place. We're meant to be God's kids, his children. We've walked away from that. He's calling us back and he's shining the way back to us. And so let's not just search the sky looking and wondering where this help is coming from and what this help is that God's going to send our way. When times get tough, what is it that God's trying to do and show us? Let's actually look up and see the light that's Jesus and the example that he laid out for us with his life. When you're down, look up. When you look up, don't just look wherever you can. Look for the light that's Jesus. And when you see it, Let it be an example to you. Let it be truth to you to know that God loves you. He's there for you. And you can live how Jesus lived. You can take what Jesus did and you can find courage from that. You can find grace in that. You can find hope in that. So let me pray for you and then Tyler's gonna come out and we're gonna send you out of here and go to your small groups. God, thank you so much for who you are, God. Thank you that you have given us this awesome example, this light in the darkness to give us hope, to give us help to show the way to you. So God, as we follow you, as we look to you, God, help us to see that light, to learn from that light, and to find comfort in it. God, help us to follow it. 
We love you. Thank you for loving us that much to give it to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.